The Talmud Yerushalmi says that although logically you would have expected to read Parshas HaChodesh before Parshas Para, we do it the other way around because Parshas Para speaks about the purity of the entire nation of Israel, which does sound a little strange, seeing as Para Dome is only for those individuals who require purification in order to go into the base Amikdash, or in this case, bring the carbon Pesach. So there must be a deeper message within this, including a spiritual message in terms of what Paraduma represents more broadly than just simply in the context of the base Amikdash. So this would be the Shalmi tells us, Bedinhu, the correct way that it should have been logically is, we should have read Parshas HaChodesh before Parshas Para. Why is that logical? Because that's the historical chronology of it. On the first day of Rosh Chodesh Nisan, that's when they established the Mishkan, so HaChodesh. And then, only on the next day, did they prepare the first Paraduma in history. So, first HaChodesh, then, then Parah. Why practically do we do it differently? Why, in fact, do we read Parshas Parah immediately before Parshas HaChodesh? Because it speaks about the purity of the entire Jewish nation. In other words, what's the Yushalmi telling us? That why do we first read Parshas Parah? To, as Rashi tells us, to warn the people that they need to purify themselves. So that when it comes to the Karim Pesach, they'll be in a state of purity and they'll be able to bring the Karim Pesach. And then, once we've told them to, be, to purify themselves, then we read Parshas HaChodesh, which spells out the other laws which are relevant to the actual Karim Pesach itself. Now, the language that the, that the Yerushalmi here uses is what should catch our attention. Milashoina Yerushalmi, from the fact that Yerushalmi used this expression, that the Paraduma is the purification of the entire Jewish people, that implies that would seem to imply that the purification of Paraduma is relevant to every single Jewish person. That's the wording. Also, what the Yerushalmi is saying in context seems to imply the same message. Because it's explaining why we read Parshas Parah first. And of course, when we read Parshas Parah Duma, it's relevant to every single Jewish person. So when do we read it? Before Parshas HaChodesh, in spite of the fact that logically it should have been the other way around. Because it is the purification of the entire Jewish people, and therefore it plays out in how the entire Jewish nation reads these parshias. So we need to understand what do you mean, Taros and Shokol Yisrael? We need to explain this better and, and make it a little bit uh, more plausible to us. Because think about it logically. We're talking here specifically about the fact that people who had been contaminated by a dead body have to purify themselves before they could bring a Karm Pesach. Now that's only relevant, that's only relevant to whoever that particular year was Tomei from Thomas Meis. But I call Yisrael, that's not relevant to the entire Jewish people. In fact, logically, it makes sense to say the exact opposite because let's say the majority of the nation was in fact impure from contamination with dead bodies. Then, you don't need the paraduma in order to facilitate the community bringing Karm Pesach. Because the halacha is, if the majority of the population is Tomei, they bring the Karm Pesach while Tomei. 
So how can you say this is Tarasan and Shekol Yisrael? There is no scenario where it would be Tarasan and Shekol Yisrael in order to facilitate the Karm Pesach. So why then would the entire Jewish community, who always have to determine how they do things based on the majority need and the majority uh, application, we don't follow the minority. So why would the entire Jewish community after Lahakdim Kriyas Parashas Pora Lahachoidesh all read Parashas Pora first before Hachoidesh, based on an argument that says that it's the purification of the entire Jewish people? Really, we should really read Parashas Hachoidesh first because this concept of Tyros and Shokol Yisrael, that the whole Jewish community would have to purify themselves is impractical. It's not going to happen in terms of the preparation for Karim Pesach. So why do we do Parashas Para first? And why for this reason? And the only way to explain it is going to have to be to dig deeper. We'll have to explain in a spiritual sense, when we say that the Karim or the Para Aduma is the purification of the entire Jewish people, we should not just simply understand it, that it means physically, practically purifying people from practically having been exposed to a dead body. We must be speaking about something which might be a little bit more spiritual, the kind of purification that every single Jewish person needs. No matter who they are, no matter where they are, no matter their circumstances. And only that will prepare them in order to get to Parshas HaChodesh and subsequently to Karim Pesach, whatever Pesach represents. So we're leaning towards a spiritual explanation which is where we will arrive at. But in order to get there, we're going to look at some of the other details around the halachic side of this. But bear in mind, our goal is to reach a, a spiritual explanation of what Parah Aduma represents for us in a broader sense for every single t- Jewish person, no matter who. So, in order for us to understand this, we'll for, first explore that there's something unique about Parah Aduma that you don't necessarily find in, in other scenarios. Harambam the Rambam in Sefer HaMitzvah tells us that the mitzvah of the Paraduma is, and you've got to listen very carefully to the Rambam's wording, to make a Paraduma with the intention The reason you make a Paraduma is that the ashes of the Paraduma should be readily available for any person who at any time may need to purify themselves. In other words, what's the Rambam telling us? The Rambam is saying, the mitzvah paraduma is not that when so-and-so needs to be purified, then we use the ashes. If an individual was contaminated by a dead body and now needs that ash in order to purify themselves, that, that's not the halacha according to the Rambam. That's not the purpose. Rather, the mitzvah is to have an available supply of ashes of the paraduma for whenever it w- they will be needed. That any time that any Jewish person would ever need to purify themselves from a dead body, the ash is there waiting and ready. To prove this, the Rambam quotes the Pasuk, which is, that the ashes of the Paraduma should be kept for the Jewish people. The Mishmeres is something which is kept and guarded from generation to generation. Which basically means, 
that the, the, the ashes have to be ready, meshumar, in a special kind of guarded place, the kol echad me'adas is so kol yisro, for every single Jewish person, shema yizdakek letara be'ifra in case a person is going to need purification, we know where it is, we know where to find it, we can help every single person. The truth is what the Rambam is saying is even more surprising than what you would have expected. Because Altmei Meis, this is very interesting, people don't often think about this. There's no requirement in the Torah that if a person is Tomei, that they have to become Toher. I will say, but before the Sholosh Regolim, in order to go and make your pilgrimage to, to, to the base Amikdash, you have to be pure. And we're told clearly you have to purify yourself at the time of the three regalim. So firstly, there's a whole debate in halacha whether this is a requirement deraisa or derabonan. But besides that, there are certain people who are completely exempt. The only person, logically, who has to purify themselves in order to do ali regal is only somebody who's obligated to go to Yerushalayim to the base Amikdash on the Shalosh Regolim. And Afukei Acherim, which excludes a whole group of people. L'dugma, Misha'in le'karka b'Eretz Yisrael. person who does not own land in Eretz Yisrael is exempt from Aliyah le'regel, doesn't have to purify themselves. Or Misha'in le'chutz l'aretz, or if a person happens to be outside of Eretz Yisrael at the time of the Shalosh Regolim, is exempt from Aliyah le'regel. She'potel me'aliyah le'regel, me carbon Pesach, such people are exempt both from going to the base Amikdash and from bringing the carbon Pesach. V'lochem gamein emechuyiv le'tara satzmei b'regel, and therefore they don't have to purify themselves in preparation for Yom Tov. So when it turns out, what the Rambam is telling us, which is that the ashes of the Paraduma have to be ready and waiting for that person who needs to be purified. It's not only necessary for somebody who is required by Torah to become pure, but the ash of the, of the Paraduma has to be available even for a person who chooses to purify themselves and at the time that this person who is not obligated to purify themselves now decides voluntarily to purify themselves, we have to have the ash available for that person who is not required to do so, but is choosing to do so. It's a fascinating principle. So we've gone from saying that the mitzvah is to use ash to purify somebody, to saying to have ash available for whoever chooses to become pure, even if they're not required to become pure. And we're going to see this expressed very clearly in what Reb Sadia Gaon says in his Sefer HaMitzvah. He uses a very interesting expression where he says, He, he defines what is the mitzvah paraduma, or para lemishmeres betador, betador he says that the mitzvah is exactly that, that the ash of the cow should always be put in a safe place so it's consistently available for whoever needs to use it. Now we have to analyze what Reb Sadia Gaon is saying. We're first going to uh, offer one possible explanation then see it from a different perspective. So some of the achronim, one specific, wants to say that what the Reb Sadia Gaon wants to teach us is his intention is we know when the Paraduma was produced, the ashes were divided into three different sections. So, there, so there's an opinion that says, Reb Sadia Goen, when he says that there has to be this consistent package of ash available and waiting, that's actually not referring to the, the, the section 
of ash, the, the portion of ash that was used regularly by whichever Kohanim were on duty to purify individuals in order to become pure. But rather, he says, it refers to that specific uh, portion of the ashes that were kept in the Chel, which is the border around the base. Amikdash, if you were not Tahar, you couldn't go past that border. And that Sharidafka al Khedakaifer Hazesh and Isam Bakhil Nirmaqasib Haloshan Voisaladas Mina Solomish Meris. Because that's the specific portion about which the Torah described that that has to be as this reminder for the Jewish people about how you have to stay in a state of purity if you want to enter the base Amigdash. And um and that word, Lemishmeres, is the same language that the Reb Sadiogon used, that the cow has to be Lemishmeres. And it's actually that Pasuk which taught Chazal that there has to be one portion of the ashes that is always kept as this reminder to the Jewish people. Now, if we're going to go with this interpretation of Reb Sadiogon, we're going to arrive at a very interesting conclusion. Conclusion. So it turns out from that perspective, according to Rapsadiagon, it would seem that out of the three portions of ashes, this portion that was put by the Chel is the keystone of what the whole mitzvah is all about, the so called remembrance of what Tuma and Tara are, are all about. Now, it's strange to suggest this, right? How could you suggest that the main thrust of a particular mitzvah, how could Reb Sadia go and suggest that the main part of the mitzvah is not the portion of the ash that you use on a regular basis to purify individuals who are Tomei, <laughs> but specifically that one portion of the ash that is really not used. So it doesn't really seem to make sense. Why would Reb Sadia go and suggest that that is the thrust and the focus of the mitzvah, the part of the ashes you don't use? So the only explanation that could then be given is, and it's based on various sources, that there was a particular time that that ash was also used in practice before Yom Kippur in order to prepare the Kohen Gadol for his service. Obviously, he had to be uh, absolutely sure that he wasn't in a state of Tumah. And there was another time that they might use it, and that is if the Kohen Gadol had to produce a new Parah Aduma, we had to first purify him before he could produce the new Parah Aduma. And so therefore, Reb Sadiagon, according to this particular explanation, will say that that is the primary focus of the mitzvah paraduma. Because as we already explained, an ordinary person is probably not going to have an obligation to have to become pure. And even an ordinary kohen doesn't typically have the same obligation to become pure. Whereas Vedafka Koyhen Godel, whereas the Koyhen Godel came in Shachar Milvadoyne Yochel, Shachar Milvadoyne Yochel, the Shas Babaji Makipurim. The Koyhen Godel has to be on duty on Yom Kippur. There cannot be a replacement for him. So therefore, I remember for any other Koyhen on duty, you're not Toher, okay? So don't pitch up. Don't go serve. It's not ideal. It's not something we should do. But there are other people on your shift and they, they can cover for you. But the Koyhen Godel is the one who's supposed to go in on Yom Kippur. He doesn't have an alternative. He has to become pure. So, he is the one individual who is required to purify himself in order to serve. 
And therefore, this particular perspective on Rapsadio Gohan would say that the only part of the Paraduma that is required, that has to be used, is for the Kohen Gadol prior to Yom Kippur or prior to producing a second Paraduma. So it's fascinating. This suggestion is that Rapsadio Gohan believes that you can only have a mitzvah if the mitzvah is going to definitely need to be fulfilled. And seeing as every other scenario of purification from the impurity of death, the person could choose not to purify themselves, and that would be acceptable. So then the only place where you have to purify a person is the Kohen Gadol, and therefore the only portion of the Paraduma that really represents the mitzvah is that portion in the Chel, which is subsequently used for the Kohen Gadol. That's the suggestion of one of the Achroinim um, about how you're supposed to understand what uh, the Rebbe Sadiogon is saying. On Gadol. But the Rebbe says such an explanation leaves us with a very big issue that we would need to clarify. Shaharev. Because Neisav al first of all, what strikes you, should appear Sounds like the language Rebbe Sadiogon used was not to tell us the parameters of the mitzvah, but rather to allude to which portion of the ashes fulfill the mitzvah. But didn't actually tell us what the mitzvah of paraduma is. Just told us which portion of the paraduma fulfills the mitzvah. Because everybody will agree the mitzvah is not to have ash in a consistent place. The, that ash that you're describing in your perspective of Rapsad Yogoin is to be used for the Kohen Gadol. That's surely the mitzvah. To use it to purify the Kohen Gadol. And that is a mitzvah that happens so infrequently. Once a year, when the Kohen Gadol has to prepare for Yom Kippur. And then the suggestion that you have to keep it for the production of the next Paraduma, that's from Moshe Rabbeinu till today, it only happened eight other times. So, compare that to the fact that there's a mitzvah for the Kohanim to serve in the Beis HaMikdash daily. And every single time a Kohen does serve on duty, that Kohen fulfills a positive mitzvah. And we know Kohanim are very enthusiastic and very particular. We know stories from the Gemara about how enthusiastic they were, that they even risked their lives to serve in the base Hamikdash. So surely for them, for Kohanim, if they are exposed to impurity, they need the Paraduma ashes. And it's absolutely imperative for their service in the base Hamikdash. Why then would Rapsad Yagan suggest that the main purpose of the Paraduma is reserved for that little portion that's only used by one person on very infrequent occasions. Therefore, the Rebbe concludes that the explanation of Rabbi Sadiogon is actually the exact opposite of what this uh, Rav Perlov suggested, this Acharon commenting Rabbi Sadiogon. Actually, Rabbi Sadiogon is echoing the same sentiment the Rambam expressed, which is, 
That the main mitzvah of para aduma is that there should always be ash available for any person, kohen gadol, regular kohen, or ordinary citizen who needs to or wishes to become pure. The ash has to be available. That's the mitzvah. I'll say, but Reb Sadio go and use the word lemishmeres, which means like it's almost like you're preserving it for something. And as we identified, if you look in the words of Chazal, lemishmeres specifically refers to the portion of ash that was preserved in the chel. So how can you say it's available to everybody? The ash in the chel was only for the Kohen Gadol. We'll explain that what the Rasag intention, Rav Sadiqon intended with this was, not to explain the word Lemishmeres based on the perspective of Chazal. Instead, he took the word Mishmeres at face value. That actually what it's referring to, as we have already seen from the Rambam, is the principle of always preserving ash to be available for whoever should need it. And especially seeing as that would incorporate also the Kohen Gadol. Because the Kohen Gadol before Yom Kippur or before the production of the next Paraduma would be a person who requires the ash of the Paraduma. So it would work across the board. And the greatest proof would be that the Rambam's motivation to say that the primary mitzvah is to have ash available whenever you need it is derived from exactly that pasuk that uses the word Because even the portion of ash which is used for the average Jewish person belongs to, in the Rambam's view, the concept of preserving the ashes. Why do you preserve the ashes? So it would be available for whoever requires it. Because so what do we know at this point? That it's pretty clear, both according to the Rambam and Reb Sadio Goen, that the primary mitzvah paraduma is that there should be ash on hand, available in order to purify anybody who needs to be purified. Now the reason we did this analysis was because we want to come back to understand why the Yerushalmi suggested that the paraduma is taras, Kol Yisrael. It's starting to make sense now. We thought Taras Kol Yisrael meant that it was a, 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 a requirement for every Jewish person before every Pesach. That's not the requirement. Paraduma is the requirement that there's ash available for every single Jewish person to use as and when they need to. But we still have a question. What is so central and important about these ashes of the paraduma? Why is it so different to most other things that we know, where it's not good enough just to have ash in the time that you need it? Why does it have this unique halachic set of parameters that it always has to be available for whoever needs it when they need it? It's such an unusual halachic status. So we have to ask ourselves why. And to answer that, we have to look at the ruchnis of what paraduma represents in order to, to, to understand how it plays out in Gashmis. Every physical thing is an evolutionary outcome of a spiritual source. And that is true, and in fact it's much more so than a mitzvah, with regards to anything in the realm of Torah mitzvahs. 
The physical expression of how we fulfill a mitzvah is designed to reflect the spiritual nature and implication of that mitzvah. The same must apply here. The fact that Paraduma manifests in a way that the halachic parameters are that the ash must be available for whoever will need it, when they need it, that is a reflection of the fact that the spiritual content of Paraduma is something that has to be available to every single Jewish person all the time. It has to be available to each of us to be able to serve Hashem using this spiritual tool. So what is the spiritual representation of Paraduma? It's explained in many places in Chassidus that in Yonashah Paraduma hu tshuva. That Paraduma is a representation of the concept of tshuva. Why tshuva? Because Tumas Meis Baruchnius Pirusha. Tumas Meis is a person was contaminated by a dead body. Spiritually, what is death spiritually? We know that an Aveira creates a barrier, a chasm between the person and Hashem. Now, if there isn't that barrier, when you are connected to Hashem, so, so if that is missing, so what does the Pasuk say? When you're connected to Hashem, you're absolutely alive. If that connection is missing, the person is no longer really alive. That is Tumas Meis in spiritual terms. What's the correction of impurity to me, Mace? Thomas Mace? That's Hachuba. Metaheres is Odom Mechabarta, Mechazora, Leshoshem Kerbelikim Chaim. Para Aduma, which represent, is the representation of Tshuva. So, what does Tshuva do? Reconnects you to life, reconnects you to Hashem, reinstates that sense of being alive. We actually see this very clearly represented in Parshas Chukas. Let the paraduma arrive on the scene. And atone for the eagle hazar of the golden car. The whole principle of paraduma is to correct and neutralize the negative effect of our various which create distance between us and Hashem. And we know that every single Avera that a person experiences is an extension of that original sin of the golden calf. Because the Egel Hazav is considered the source of every single Avera rebellion or disconnection that occurs from the time of the giving of the Torah and onwards. Now we'll see this reflected in the fact that the Paraduma has a very interesting paradox about how it is produced. That's why when you examine the process of the paraduma, there are two elements that seem to be contradictory. On the one end, the entire production of the paraduma had to happen not only outside of the base of Mikdash, but outside of the entire camp of the Jewish settlement. As opposed to every other carbon that could only be produced inside the Beis HaMikdash. So it's very different to our carbons. On the one hand, it's as far from holiness as you could imagine. Yet on the other hand, the, when they sprinkled the blood of the Paraduma after having burnt it, 
after shechting it and, 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 and burning it, you had to face and see into oil moed, or subsequently from Harat Soifim, you had to see into the base Amikdash. You had to see the opening of the first the Mishkan, subsequent to the Beis Amikdash, at the time that you sprinkled the blood. So on the one hand, it's absolute distance from holiness, and on the other hand, it's complete focus on holiness. Why? Because Teshuvah has a very similar paradox. What is the goal of Teshuvah? What does Teshuvah impact? To cleanse and to refine that which is distant and far from Elikus. That which lives outside all of the precincts of holiness. Teshuvah is so powerful that it can even cleanse and correct wanton transgressions, rebellion against Hashem. Which means, where a person lived within the realm of three absolute levels of impurity. Which is completely different to a regular carbon, like a carbon chatos or carbon asham, that only help you to cleanse things that were mistaken. The paraduma tackles things that were deliberate. So, where do you get the strength to make such a powerful impact, to transform something that is so toxic, to become healed? For that, you've got to focus all the way in. You've got to see inside the deepest, holiest place within Judaism, inside the doorway of the Beis Amikdash, which means, we know the famous Medjish Yalkut Shemoni that tells us specifically Hashem, who sits at a level that is even beyond Torah, was the only one who could suggest that the possible way back for a person who had sinned is that firstly there is a way back, and that that way back does not have to be punishment and it does not have to be karbonis, it's tshuva. Whereas Torah could only offer an option to correct something that was a mistaken Avera. Hashem offers the opportunity to even fix a wanton Avera. So you've got to connect to such a deep level that is even beyond Torah. You've got to look inside the base Hamikdash in order to be able to fix what is outside of the three camps of Jewish settlement. And here's the issue. Person will think as follows. Okay, you're right. This tshuva is amazing. It's powerful, transformative, takes the worst of the worst, heals it. But that's only for somebody who's been there, who's really messed up. Only such a person requires a paraduma because they're impure. But a person who lives, as Shlema Merech says, as they designed us to be upright and focused and follow a straight and narrow path. But Derech HaYosher Avoidasat Tzadikim, person who serves Hashem like a tzadik, is a shaykh yesh loy leparaduma. What does the tzadik require of a paraduma? Doesn't get into that mess, doesn't need this powerful correction. Hey, in Ermes HaShagamul Nizka Klik Tshuva, of course the tzadik knows that he also needs the process of Tshuva. Kipir Rabbein Azok and Becham and Mekoymas, as Altareb explains multiple times, that Teshuvah is not only for Averus, and even a tzaddik does Teshuvah. Of course, the kind of Teshuvah that a tzaddik does is not to atone for having done wrong, because he doesn't do wrong. No, rather the Avoidah of a tzaddik is restoring the Neshama to its original state of absolute connection to Hashem. 
which is to take the neshama living here in a physical experience and reconnect it to absolute connection to Hashem. Okay, so tzaddik has to do tshuva. But why would a tzaddik have anything to do with a service represented by the paraduma, which talks about the realm that is outside of holiness? He's a tzaddik. He lives in the holy precinct. It's in response to that that the Rambam teaches us, as we saw Reb Sadegon teaches us, as the Talmud Yerushalmi told us, The purpose of the Paraduma is that the ashes of the Paraduma should be readily available for any person who needs it. It's got to always be available. Which means that every single person has to have it within their toolkit of how you serve Hashem. At any moment, you have to be able to access the kind of tshuva represented by the Paraduma. Why? Simple explanation. As the Mishnah tells us in Prikya Ovis, a person should never have absolute faith in themselves until their last day. You never know what could happen. No person can trust themselves absolutely that they will never slip in their spirituality. So Teshuvah always has to be there in the toolkit. Again, quoting Shlomo HaMelech who said, There is no person in this world who is such a tzaddik that never yecheto, which doesn't necessarily mean sins. But Chet could also mean who lacks, they don't serve Hashem as well as they could have. Every person at some point will be able to identify, okay, here's an area of lack an area of imperfection, an area that could have been done better. Because maybe the person didn't serve as well as they should have, or maybe not even to the point of perfection. So every single person has a place within their life that they would require tshuva. And even if you say to Tzadik Gomer, who has no lack, not only no avarice, but no lack, and the only reason such a person would ever die is because we're all poisoned still from the so-called bite of the snake, referring, of course, to the Chet Etzadas. As Larizal very famously said, in fact, it was even the eulogy that Rabbi Chaim Vital gave for Larizal, that if you have a if there's a person Literal translation, who has a sin for which they deserve to be killed by the based in. But afterwards you suspend their body temporarily on a pole, on a piece of wood. So the result explains, when there's a person who lacks a reason to have to die, because they're a perfect, perfect tzaddik, and they die, if there's a tzaddik who has no avarius and therefore has no real cause for for them to die, as the Salisa Isayal eight, blame the tree. Then you acknowledge the only reason this person died is because there's a chet etzadas that introduced death as a natural consequence in this world. So what about that person who doesn't even have a chet? Why do they need paraduma? Still, the fact that a person could be impacted by the Chayit to the point that they would die, 
That indicates that they are in some way still susceptible to the influence of the nachash, of the snake of Klippa. Vim sets the inna tshuva alzeh, and they have to do tshuva for that. So they're not doing tshuva for an avera. They're not even doing tshuva for a lack of perfection in their service of Hashem. They're doing tshuva for the fact that living in this world makes you still susceptible to the impact and the influence of the kripas of this world, and you have to do tshuva for that. It's not tshuva for having done something wrong. It's tshuva of reconnection to Hashem in the best way possible. And beyond that, when a person thinks about what Chazal tells us, that any generation that did not see the distra- that did not see the reconstruction of the Beis Hamikdash is responsible as if it was destroyed in their days. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to walk around with guilt. You could see it as a very positive thing, meaning psagdinu. So, so that's how the Gemara expresses it in a negative way. But there's a Lamaliusa, so there's a positive way it's expressed, which the Rambam famously tells us. That if one individual does one mitzvah, that could change not only that person, but the entire world into the space of merit. And therefore, as the Rambam tells us, that one act can bring salvation to the individual and to the entire world. So the person looks around and says, we're still in Golos. And now, not only are we in Golos, but we're in the darkest of all Golos in that stage, just before Mashiach comes. That's as far away from holiness as you could possibly get, like the Paraduma, which is outside of all three camps of Jewish settlement. And we haven't yet seen Mashiach. And it could be completely in your hands. Because as the Gemara says, if it's not rebuilt in your time, it's like it's destroyed in your time. And the Rambam says that you could do one mitzvah that will change everything. So therefore, if right now the Beis HaMikdash hasn't been rebuilt, it is quite possible that it's because our generation didn't rebuild it because I didn't do that one mitzvah that would have flipped our generation. Any person who reflects on that will be aroused to a real tshuva of a with massive input and enthusiasm. So what are we seeing? The para aduma, which represents tshuva, is taras and shokol Yisrael. It has a relevance to every single Jewish person from the lowest to the highest because every one of us needs this tahara in our lives. And if we don't believe it, the fact that Moshiach is not yet here is the greatest proof that we haven't yet achieved it and we still have to do it. But a person will still say, You're right, I understand what Rapsadia Gohan and the Rambam are telling us that you always have to have tshuva available in your, to- in your toolkit. But right now, I'm a person who's doing as I should. So if I'm somebody doing I'm doing what I should without avarice, without distraction. So of course I have to have tshuva as well, but tshuva is like bonus of my service of Hashem. There's my service of Hashem as a tzaddik, and then there's a bonus element of tshuva. And the person will rationalize as follows. As an individual, has nothing to do, no connection with anything that lives outside the realm of holiness. I, you have shown me that I also need the tshuva that is represented by Paraduma. 
It's not because of him or his choices or behavior. And it's because as we've learned, because there was a and there was the influence and poison, so to speak, of the snake that affects and infects every one of us and therefore we're susceptible. It's not something I chose, not something I did. So I'll do tshuva for that element. But that tshuva doesn't have to become a core principle of how I serve Hashem. I'm fundamentally beyond these things. Therefore, we use the expression of the Yerushalmi, that the Paraduma represents the purification of the entire Jewish people. Meaning, every Jew needs that purification that the Paraduma achieves. But yes, okay, not only do we need it, but you need it as the foundation and precursor to the rest of your service of Hashem. That's why it comes, that's why it comes before Parshas HaChodesh. Because if you want to reach Parshas HaChodesh and by extension the avoid of Pesach, first you need the Paraduma. As the Medrash tells us, The Medrash says that the choik of Paraduma must be greater than the mitzvah of Korban Pesach because you need it to facilitate Korban Pesach. What does that mean spiritually? People who eat the Korban Pesach is metaphoric of the avoid of a tzaddik. Why? Because it's where you move in leaps and bounds. So therefore, if we know that the, those who eat the Korban Pesach first need the Paraduma, that implies that implies that a tzaddik also needs to do tshuva not as an add-on or a bonus, but as a fundamental precursor to doing their avoida. Even when you're speaking about a tzaddik, even a tzaddik, there's still the sense of self. There is a being who has absolute love of Hashem, as the Alter Rebbe explains. And even a tzaddik still retains absolute free choice, which means that at any time could choose to do against what Hashem wants. That's all evidence to the fact that even a tzaddik is an independent entity. Not absolutely one with Hashem, as again, the Alter Rebbe distinguishes in Tanya the difference between a tzaddik and a mitzvah. Mitzvah is absolutely elikos. A tzaddik is connected to elikos, loves elikos. So therefore, that means that even when the tzaddik is serving Hashem, there's still a sense of self, the most minute, subtle, nuanced sense of self, but it's there nonetheless. That's why the, even the tzaddik needs the paradoma as a core part of his To lose even that tiniest sense of self through the dynamic of tshuva. Where a person feels bitterness not over the distance that that person feels from Hashem, which would be relevant to somebody less than a tzaddik, but over the, the bitterness that I still feel that I am an entity. Bitterness over the fact that I'm not absolutely bottled to Hashem. 
When a person does tshuva, which effectively means to relinquish their sense of self completely, then you then you could become somebody who is able to ingest the carbon Pesach, which means that you should be able to serve Hashem in a way that skips the line and goes in leaps and bounds. Not just as an experience once off, but rather as what is digested into your system, that becomes your reality. Now, cold that's already talking about a tzaddik. So, if a tzaddik requires teshuva on the, of the type of teshuva that paraduma represents, a bainoni definitely requires it. Because a bainoni already has inappropriate thoughts that pop into his head. So, it's definitely further than a tzaddik is from absolute oneness with Hashem. Even though the Alter Rebbe tells us clearly, as soon as those inappropriate thoughts fall into the bane on his head, he immediately dismisses them with full force. Just the very fact that such thoughts cross that bane on his mind. That is the greatest evidence that this Benoni has not yet fulfilled the, the oath that he made prior to birth, that he would be a, a tzaddik. He's got to do Teshuva for that. And so how much more so those of us who are far lower than the status of a Benoni. Even though the Alter Rebbe tells us that the status of Benoni is accessible to every person and it should be our aspiration. We all know the very heartfelt expression that Chassidim always used to use. We wish if only we could be a Benoni. We're people who have to do Teshuvah for real Averis. And only that will facilitate our access to be able to serve Hashem properly. So now that we understand that Parashas Para actually represents more than anything else, radical Teshuvah. Through that avoid of radical Teshuvah, that will immediately transfer us to what Pashas HaChodesh represents. Because we know halachically that there'll never be a Shabbos in between Para and HaChodesh. The whole point of Pashas HaChodesh is HaChodesh HaZeh, which means Chodesh HaGeula, that Hashem presents us with a month where the theme of that month is breaking free, liberation, Geula. So therefore, through us fulfilling in our lives the Teshuvah that Parah Aduma represents, that takes us without any interruption, just as there's no interruption from Parah to Achodesh, without any interruption from Teshuvah to Geulah, that we should see the fulfillment of the Gemara's saying that just as we were originally redeemed from Egypt in Chodesh Nisan, we should also be redeemed from this goddess with Mashiach, in this Chodesh Nissen, take care of Mamash.